Today's sponsor is Kindred Bravely, a brand that came to life in 2015 by Deanne Akerson, a mom of two, when she couldn't find any comfortable and functional pajamas while nursing her second son. She decided to design her own, and this led to one of their best-selling pajama sets, the Davy Nursing and Maternity Pajamas. As moms, we have to stick together, which is where Kindred comes from. And bravely, being a mom can be tough. It's not for the faint of heart. It takes courage and bravery, right? Kindred Bravely is devoted to making life easier for pregnant and nursing moms. From breast pads and non-skid socks to nursing bras and pajamas, Deanne creates every piece with comfort, beauty, and function in mind. And her designs have been recognized by parent-tested, parent-approved, the Cribsy Awards and the Mom's Choice Awards. Behind the scenes, Kindred Bravely employs more than two dozen work-at-home moms who share Deanne's mission and values. Along with delivering top-of-the-line clothing, the KB moms provide incredible customer service, share quality content, and engage with social media communities. Use my exclusive promo code MOMSENSE20 to save 20% off your purchase at kindredbravely.com. Some exclusions may apply. The doula is there as the cheerleader, the coach, and the person tending to the needs of the mother solely, and then possibly helping to coach the partner, but only to support the needs of the mom. If you hope to be pregnant someday, we understand your anticipation and anxiety. If you're pregnant right now, we get that you're nervous, excited, and just want to feel prepared. If you've lost your little one, we feel your pain, which never goes away, and want to help heal your broken heart. And if you were neglected, we want to take up for your cause. This is the birthing series on That's Total Mom Sense, where I'll be speaking with experts on labor and delivery, loss and advocacy. Listen in. So today on the show, I have Sarah Lyon. Sarah Lyon is a renowned birthing expert, doula, founder of Glow Birth and Body, a prenatal and postpartum massage therapy practice serving Oakland and Chicago Glow, which has supported more than 10,000 families since its founding in 2010. She's the author of The Birth Deck and You've Got This, Your Guide to Getting Comfortable with Labor. Upbeat, quick-witted, and empathetic, Sarah delights and entertains as she educates. Sarah is a licensed massage therapist in New York State and holds diplomas from remedial massage therapy and oriental therapies in Australia, where she graduated from Endeavor College and Shiatsu, Australia. As a proud Wolverine, Sarah achieved a BA in medical sociology from the University of Michigan, which focused research in women's health and integrative medicine. Sarah is a wife and mother of two, and she and her family split their time between bustling New York City and the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area. Sarah, welcome to That Total Mom Sense. It is so nice to be here, Kanika. Thank you for having me. I'm going to take it back to when your mom had you. What was her birth story like? 
Her birth experience was pretty unique because she did not know that she could get pregnant. In fact, she had been told since she was in her early 20s that she was not going to be able to have babies based on the way that her uterus was tilted. And so she had married my dad, had told my dad, listen, this is not in the cards for us, but hopefully we can have a great full life in all these other ways. And then they moved to L.A. from Boston, and eventually she thought, you know, I should probably get doctors, right? Like this is what adults do. In their late 30s, they they get local doctors. So she went to gynecologists and OBGYN. And every time you go to a new gynecologist, they they take a urine sample. And pretty much any time you go and see an OBGYN, they'll take a urine sample. And part of what they're testing for is pregnancy hormones, right? So they ran the battery of tests on her urine. One of the next things she knows, she's in the exam room. And a nurse comes in and says, uh, Nancy, Miss Gallagher-Lyon, okay, so how many weeks are you pregnant? And my mom said, it's, it's impossible. So let's either do the urine sample again or go and check the records again. Long story short, she is five months pregnant at that time, but they had no idea how pregnant she was because her cycle was always off. It was part of yeah. why they thought she couldn't get pregnant. And so she had been sort of getting these like irregular periods, but what's new? And a lot of women actually spot in pregnancy, which people don't know. So it's very scary and alarming when it happens to people around you. I'm sure you've heard of people spotting or maybe had that experience. Yes, I have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it's really, really common. And so she hadn't been tracking her cycle at all and it was nearly impossible to track. So she had no idea. So she wasn't allowed to travel. And I've actually looked at my medical records. My mom's medical records from that time. And so it says EDD, estimated due date, and just a bunch of question marks and a window of three months next. <laughs> she oh, wasn't wow. allowed to travel. She, and then she wrote down everything that she'd been eating and drinking because she was like, <laughs> I just need expert medical care. So I know exactly, you know, how much beer she had, scotch, how much weed she smoked. It was oh, fabulous. <laughs> and I may be a walking miracle. I'm not going to lie. Math is hard for me, but otherwise <laughs> I turned out okay. Yes, you did. You did. That's incredible. What was it like for you? Do you you feel like you had like a nurturing spirit? My family is really, really special. I feel so fortunate. They are definitely my superpower. And I've continued to be very close with them as I've grown older. And I love the name of your podcast. It's Total Mom Sense because I had a conversation with my dad when I was pregnant with my first child. I said to him, dad, I, I feel like I know I don't need to read any birth books, but man, like I really don't know what to do with a baby. You know, I kind of refer people to other practitioners once the baby's actually out of the body. So he just said to me, you know what? You don't need to read books. You've got everything you need inside of you because you were parented by Nancy Lyon, by your mother. And she's arguably an expert in this space. So his confidence in me was so grounding. That's sort of how I would describe my experience growing up. My parents are both really different from me and also very similar in some ways. I've followed a very different path than them in a lot of ways and not in others. You know, they're both very entrepreneurial, very academic. My dad's an electrical engineer. My mom was a child developmentalist and I'm a business owner and a birth educator. So it's, I'm so, I fell somewhere out in the middle of them, but they've always been really supportive and never tried to steer me in any direction except whatever my interest was in. And that feels so special and uh, something that I uh, try to emulate as a parent. Now, how did you get into your field of work? I've been interested in women's health since college. And I 
had the opportunity to study under a number of professors who were interested in integrative medicine and in women's health. And there's a lot of feminism that gets mixed into women's health for obvious reasons. And so uh, at Michigan, I got to study specifically under some professors who guided me through research and through my own research, which is a new, pretty unique experience for a lot of undergraduates. So, you know, oftentimes you have to be very, very focused and self-directed to do that. And I got a lot of support from them. And so I got to delve into my original area of interest, which was actually menopause and um, watching my friend's mothers experience that transition in their fertility cycle. That also then meant that they were being treated differently medically, but no one really had done research on it, which makes sense if you consider that women of their generation were just coming into the mainstream in terms of power, the power structure. And so if there isn't funding, there isn't research. If there isn't, if there aren't primary investigators, PIs who are women and have an interest in something, then the research doesn't happen. Mm. So that generation, when menopause hit the boomers, there weren't, there wasn't a lot of power behind it yet. Now that's starting to change as our generation has become more educated and more powerful and placed in positions of being funders of businesses, right? Being venture capitalists. So we'll see what happens there. But my interest started with menopause and understanding how society views women's health and how that then creates the medical systems that we experience, which then Mm. impacts our health, right? So it's this feedback loop that can only, that has to be interrupted or evolved at some point in order for both sides to get better, for our health to get better and for the medical system to get better. Everything has to be flowing in that, in that direction, um, or else neither happen. There has to be a catalyst. And so I started with menopause, but then when I started studying massage therapy, thinking that would get me to public policy school and public health school, and I could sort of put myself through graduate school doing uh, body work, which is another term for massage therapy. I got interested in prenatal and postpartum massage. And through Uh prenatal and postpartum massage, I got invited to births and I started doing a lot of birth education. And I had the experience, I had, again, this really fortunate experience of being mentored by a number of people that I was learning from in massage school. And then by some of my early employers who were one of the whom was actually a midwife as well, Jacqueline Johnston in Melbourne, Australia. And I was in a different medical system. I was living in Australia. They approach birth very differently than America. And even their mainstream healthcare system primarily employs nurse midwives to attend birth as opposed Mm. to OBGYNs. So their view of birth as normal is the mainstream, whereas in America, birth is viewed as a medical risk that needs to be actively managed at all points. So how are massages, you know, your typical deep tissue massage different from uh, prenatal and postpartum? When I train massage therapists and when I personally work with clients, I always explain that prenatal massage isn't an altered normal massage. It's its own experience because you have such a ripe opportunity right there during pregnancy for deep cellular change. And I don't mean that in a hippie way. 
the chemicals in your body are different. And those chemicals are actively relaxing your, mm. your flesh, your tissue. That includes your ligaments and your tendons. That includes your scar tissue. That includes any of the, the cells that exist in your body. They are relaxed. They are more open. And you have the ability to heal very old injuries. So let's say you had really bad ankle sprain. Let's say that you have had knots in your back for ever and you can't figure out how to get rid of them, right? It's no amount of stretching, no amount of massage, the Theragun's not doing it. And so you decide, well, you know what? I'm going to try to get a massage in pregnancy. And you go to someone who's really good at what they do. If they can use pressure, if they know how to work with the body in the side lying position, they can use really deep pressure and they can work through that knot. And your body is more likely to let that knot go purely based on the chemicals in the body at that oh, time. Wow. The tissue wow. is softer. So in your in your tissue is rapidly changing and turning over in pregnancy, right? You have up to 60% more blood volume. So you just have more circulation just mm-hmm. generally. All of that is so helpful for tissue healing. And so the way that we do prenatal massage and my practice and the way that our, our style is taught is always sideline because then you can use as much pressure as you want to on the lower back, et cetera, as opposed to when you have someone face down in the belly hole, you risk injuring the lower lumbar ligaments and, and also just putting pressure on the abdomen, which is not necessary and not helpful. And then you have all of the, those niggly spots that get so irritated and sore in pregnancy, like your hips, your glutes, the sides of the legs that get that sciatic pain, the neck and the sides of the neck and the front of the, of the pectoral muscles that you can wing, you can pull the arm backwards and work into the pecs that get so tight when you're, when your breasts start to enlarge and you start to hoist up your shoulders to kind of hoist them up. And it's the whole, and then your belly grows. So then you're, you're, bringing your shoulders up to try to counter that weight shift. And so we can actually work the whole side body in a way that you cannot do a face up and face down, right? So it's perfect for exactly what is indicated in the treatment, exactly what the body needs is going to be presented to you just in that position alone, um, the side body. So we use deep tissue at Glow and we do a mix of, of oil work and work over the sheet. And we don't do anything that's overly woo-woo. We don't, we don't do belly massage. My perspective is that women are touching their bellies and massaging their bellies all pregnancy long. It's yeah. like the one place they don't need a massage. Right. So, Unless someone comes in with round ligament pain or rib pain where we might do anterior work, we're going to steer clear of that area. Tell us how you decided to become a doula because, you know, your mom went through this herself. Many of us just follow traditional medicine and meet with our OBGYN and aren't aware of the doulas out there. It never is an option by sheer ignorance. So tell us about like uh, what you do and, you know, how you do it. I learned about doulas through a class that I took in college that was through the nursing department, and it was a women's health class taught for non-nursing majors. And she explained to me, the teacher explained to me and to all of us, it was a big class, very popular, that 
doulas are replacements essentially in our modern world for community birth support, which has existed since the beginning of birth and as long as humanity. And that is because we need the comfort and the care of others around us who are trusted individuals who are known to us. So these are not strangers. These are people that we've met and formed a relationship with before giving birth. These are not necessarily the keepers of birth, which I will use that as a term to explain maybe like a midwife or an OBGYN, somebody who's medically responsible for the birth. This is somebody who is there just to serve the birthing person, the mom. And the the needs of the person who's in labor are so vast and at the same time so specific and so common. And what's great about that is it's not that hard to teach someone how to support someone in labor. If you can step outside of your own needs and you can be present and listen literally with your ears and listen to the sounds that the mom, the birthing mom is making to the ways that maybe she's asking or not asking for help, but you can see that she has dry lips. So why not use some chapstick and offer it to her. Just observe and be of service, right? So that's what a doula does. A doula is like a a present labor coach. And now in our society, we hire those people because we don't birth in community. We don't birth around other people that are lay people, um, civilians, let's call them. So instead, we are only comfortable doing it in an institutionalized setting. And that means that we are most comfortable hiring someone for that role because birth has has in our culture become deeply personal and we have a self-consciousness around our physical bodies and around the birthing process, which, if we're honest, the birthing process is really raw and real and can be very emotional and very messy. And we don't usually do raw, real, messy things in public in our culture, right? Yeah. So yeah. Um, I learned about doulas through that professor in college. And then when I was in Australia, I was invited to birth and I didn't really, I didn't know a lot of doulas in Australia. Now I do, but I didn't when I first moved there, but my massage clients started inviting me to come to birth. And that was really how it started. And then my practice grew. I started teaching birth education through a phenomenal organization called, at the time called the Maternity Coalition. And um, then I got mentored by some midwives and doulas there before moving back to the States, doing some more training here and starting to work as a volunteer doula here in the States as well. And would you say that doula's primary focus is mom, whereas oftentimes medical staff, it's on baby? Absolutely. The doula is there as the cheerleader, the coach, and the person tending to the needs of the mother solely. And then possibly helping to coach the partner, but only to support the needs of the mom. Many people aren't aware of of the options that exist in birth and postpartum. And that's true for all sorts of therapies, for chiropractic work that can help so much with the positioning of the baby or babies and help with a smoother birth experience, et cetera. There's so many things that exist out there that are, number one, usually not paid for by insurance, but also just like you said, outside of our under of our knowledge and we just have never heard of it and so we don't avail ourselves of those tools even though they are out there did you know there's an organizing app designed just for families named a must-have mobile app on the today show cozy is an app to help families who are juggling school schedules practices meetings doctor's appointments and even helps them schedule a workout or a date night here's how it works 
Cozy tracks everyone's schedules and events in one place with a shared color-coded calendar. Cozy even reminds others about events so you don't have to. No more missed pickups or double bookings. It's easy to get started. You can even pull in events from your family's personal work and school calendars. Cozy helps with other things on your plate too. The shared grocery list lets the whole family add items in real time, and you'll never find yourself at the store without the list. It's always on your phone and up to date. If you need help figuring out dinner, there's even a place to store recipes and plan meals ahead. The best part? It's free. Just download Cozy Family Organizer from the App Store, and that's spelled C-O-Z-I, and get the free app today. You all know I love being organized, using calendars to sync up and labels so you never drop the ball. Cozy up with Cozy to keep you and your family on track. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Candy Apple Advocacy, the podcast for parents who want to advocate for their children's education. I'm Jim Mallard, and I'm here with my wife, Tabby. We've been through the trenches of raising kids in the school system and know how tough it can be. But we also know how essential it is to advocate for your child and their education. That's why we started this podcast, to share our experiences and insights with other parents to help them become more effective advocates for their children. On this podcast, we'll talk about everything from general education, general school advice, the school choices you have available to you, different education styles, individualized education plans, 504s, and all those key terms that you've heard but don't know what they are. We'll talk to experts. We'll also talk to parents and hear their stories. We'll share our stories with you and give you tools you need to be a strong advocate for your child and yourself. Whether you're a new parent or have been in the game for a while, we invite you to join our community. Let's advocate together. Could Adula be with you at the hospital? Because, you know, just speaking from experience, I had my twin birth and ended up having a C-section. So if there really is no quote unquote labor, still, does that still fall in the realm of your work? Yes. Doulas can be anywhere where people are giving birth. Now, are they going to be welcome there? That totally depends on the culture of not only the hospital, but the specific, is it the labor and delivery ward of the hospital? Or is it the birth center wing of the hospital if they have one? Is it a hospital that has a birth center wing? Because probably they're going to overall have a more inclusive and progressive approach to birth if that's the case. And it can depend on the practitioner. So there are practitioners that doulas know are anti-doula, right? Or maybe Mm. they are, you know, anti-natural. Natural is now a term that isn't really used. It's more unmedicated, anti-unmedicated birth or that they want labors to be fast, et cetera, and and that they are risk intolerant, right? So if they cannot tolerate risk, then the the doula knows that maybe they're not going to be as friendly to doulas because they see doulas as interfering with their ability to mitigate risk because they help coach clients to advocate for themselves and their maybe desires or needs that don't align with the practitioner's desires or needs for that for that birth. And the idea, I think, for a lot of people that a practitioner like an OBGYN or a labor and delivery nurse might have desires or needs for that labor outside of just a healthy birth, I think surprises some people. But you have to remember that hospitals are giant machines. They're huge organizations. That organization has its own needs. And those needs are not always in alignment with labor. 
because labor can yeah. be long. It can be predictably unpredictable. It needs time. The body needs time to literally open. And not only that, but you can't really track and predict how it's going to go because it can take, let's say, so you have to get to 10 centimeters dilated before you can push a baby out. But just because it took eight hours to get to two centimeters doesn't mean it's going to take another eight hours to get to four. You right. could go from zero to two centimeters in eight hours. And then in, in an hour, you might change your body position. You might, you know, get in the bathtub and it might help your body relax so much that your cervix, you get so much more oxytocin. You know, you might start kissing your partner, which sounds insane to some people. And it might give you so much more of that labor hormone that your cervix just kind of melts up and out of the way and the baby and you're complete. And that might happen in minutes, you know, or a couple hours. So when someone's checking dilation and saying, well, we've come this far and ergo, we believe that you will take too long and we need this bed to turn around because otherwise we're going to have people birthing and triage. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like th- these are just realities of, of an organization. It's no one's fault. No one's bad. No one's mean, but it still doesn't always serve this process that is not the same as a scheduled surgery, which is right. relatively predictable. Now, you also asked um, in your question about whether a doula is appropriate for somebody who either ends up having an unplanned C-section or somebody who maybe even has a planned C-section. It depends on, the answer really depends on what your needs are and, and what are your needs. So what are your physical needs? Do you have children at home? Is it possible that your partner is not going to be able to be at labor because they might be traveling around the time of birth? Do you need another physical person to be on call for your birth? So those are questions that you might ask because your C-section is still a birth and you still are going to need mental and emotional support. And whether you're having a C-section or having, so we'll call it like a belly birth, which is I think a really nurturing way to describe a Uh, Mm C-section, whether you're having a belly birth or you're having a vaginal birth, you're still giving of your body. Your body will still need to recover and you will, you're still will get a ton of of adrenaline, which is a hormone that you get when your body has been under trauma, whether that's from the birth of the baby coming literally through your pelvic floor, Mm -hmm. or if it's from a surgical incision being made, right? And then you have the chemicals from the anesthesia for the surgery for C-section. And then you have, if you remember, kind of when you were in post-op after your operation, you were probably shivering and shaking, which is really, really standard. That's really alarming for people. And that is a reaction to the surgery. It's also a reaction to the medication that they give you for the surgery. If you don't know that, if a doula, for example, hasn't said to you, I'm going to help prepare you for this. And part of preparing you for this is to take us through the plan. You might not know, but your partner is going to have to go to the NICU with the baby. So you're going to be alone in post-op with strangers if you don't have somebody on your team with you or a family member or a doula. Right. What if you have a, a real deep fear of medical procedures, right? That in itself can be really traumatic. Yes. Having somebody there, a coach, to practice breath work with you, to practice hypnosis and meditation ahead of the surgery to then go in with you for your belly birth and be with you and your partner or stand outside of the doors and swap out with your partner when your partner goes to the NICU. Those things can be, can transform what I think people give up as like, whatever. I didn't really have like a birth. Like I just had a surgery. I had a C-section. Huh. That's yeah. that's not true. Like you still need nurturing. Yes. Um, and also if it's an unplanned C-section, you probably dug some ditches before you got there. Like you probably did a lot of work with your body 
laboring right. and right. probably was helpful to have a doula for that part before you end up like, okay, you know what? Things aren't going as we'd hoped. Things have changed. And now we're going to move to surgery because that's the safest way to get this baby out now to birth this baby. Cool. You have a doula who held your hand the whole time. Tell us a little bit about like your clients who are some women you've helped that really benefited from having you in their corner. One of my first births, which I attended in Australia, was a woman who I knew. She was a colleague of mine. And she had to go into her water broke and there was meconium in the water. And they said, okay, cool. Come in. We're going to, we're not going to be in the birth center. We're going to be actually in on the labor and delivery ward, but you'll still have midwives attending unless something gets funky with the baby's heart rate um, or blood pressure or whatever. But we are going to induce, we're going to start getting this labor going meconium, which is baby poop. Yeah. <laughs> it's and a it's womb. Like black in color. We'll yeah. call it womb, womb poo. Um, <laughs> it is in the water, in the amniotic fluid at the time when the water breaks or at any time throughout labor. And it just means that the baby's intestines have started working, which technically is not a concern unless the baby is aspirating the meconium. Meconium is in a lot of births. 40%, I would say, of the births that I've attended have had meconium. Um, in the amniotic fluid. So it's only a concern if you start to see that the baby is in distress. So they decided we're going to make sure this labor gets started now because you're not in labor at all, but you're a couple centimeters dilated. And she went in and she had this whole plan for having an unmedicated, super active labor. So they said, you can't go in the tub because we have to do too much monitoring. And there's something wrong with the monitors. They couldn't get the waterproof ones, whatever. And so she gets, I get there and she had a really fast induction, but it was really, really intense. And she really did not want to get medication, pain medication, because she knew that if she got pain medication plus the induction, that it would increase her likelihood of a C-section. So I went in with her and it was a six-hour labor, which is super short for a first birth. I did so much hip squeezing. Even if you have Pitocin for induction, you can still have an unmedicated birth for pain medication. You can still be active in labor. Just because you have Pitocin does not mean you have to have an epidural, but what you do need is a ton of physical and mental support because it is much more intense and you don't get all of the same hormones, the natural narcotics that you would get from a a labor that started spontaneously. And there's a Mm. whole chemical reason for that. She needed more physical support and she had a really smooth vaginal birth, even though she was induced and didn't have an epidural. So that's a great example of like a hybrid, like you had medical intervention. You also had somebody who was using their ability, their body's ability to to birth to optimal effectiveness, efficacy with the help of external support of a doula and her partner. That's so great. I now want to get into your book. You've got this. I have it right here. It's brilliant. I absolutely love the animations and your quotes and the fact that you've really broken down what to anticipate when you're you're going to give birth and how to feel prepared and not just mom uh, to be for her partner. Tell us some highlights that we'll find in your book. I wrote this book because I want people who really don't even have an interest in birth, but want to have an experience that's either different from their last birth experience or want to have their, give their partners something that is really written 
with a common vernacular, so just a normal vocabulary, that is going to explain a little bit more about labor to demystify it so that they can get good birth support, so that they can get good comfort techniques um, used on them in labor. Because again, going back to the beginning of our conversation, if you remember that birth support is only recently been handed to professionals, it used to be within our our friends groups and our family groups, mm-hmm. now that our partners come to the labor room with us, it's important to bring them on side, but also to not expect them to become experts in something that they have no interest in becoming an expert at, right? right. So right. handing somebody like a tome, like a huge book and saying, okay, I want you to be my primary advocate. I want you to learn about all of this so that when we are in the birth room together, you can essentially vet every single decision. That's a lot to ask of somebody. If you instead help them make you feel as comfortable and safe as possible, just the way that that will change your hormones will give you a better chance at a non-traumatic safe birth. So by reducing your adrenaline and increasing your oxytocin, which is the labor hormone, you will have a better chance at a safer birth. So think about that. That means somebody actually understands where to touch you, like how to rub your back and not to rub your back, but to press your back because it actually feels better Mm. to have your back pressed in labor versus rubbed. You know, those kinds of little like tips and tricks that don't necessarily need like a eight hour class, but you could just read some basic explanations and some instructions. So some of my favorite highlights are the foundational concepts, because I think for a lot of us, uh, especially for our partners, having an understanding of why something works helps them believe because a mm-hmm. lot of this birth stuff was considered to be really fringe for a long time, right? It was all like hippies who were doing this home birthing hippies. But now we understand that it's that research is showing how powerful good birth support can be. So talking about the primal brain, and I have a whole section just on on the foundational concepts of birth, the primal brain and why these things actually work based on your amygdala, which is your brainstem. So why does distraction work? Because a lot of that actually comes from sports medicine and sport and pain management theory. So this is not something that that somebody just made up one day. This is something that's as old as human history and as the brain and also has been really well-researched and documented. Talk a lot about oxytocin and adrenaline because if you can reduce someone's fear and stress levels, there is a better chance that they're going to have strong, robust contractions that are going to be effective at getting the baby down and out. And then the contraction cycle. Why do you even have contractions? I think that just understanding what this is, that it's not just like a torture mechanism is, is really helpful for people in coping. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, and then some of my other favorites in the back of the book, after we, after you go through the, the four sections of the book, so the mind, massage, movement, and general support, we have common hurdles and suggested techniques. So we break down the various techniques that we, that I teach. I broke them down into posterior, if your baby's posterior, if you have back labor, if you have hip pain, if your labor is stalled, if you have slow dilation, so that's different than stalled labor. One is your contraction stop, the other is is that you're just not your cervix isn't dilating um, quickly, and then if you have an epidural or anxiety, so I, I give a lot more suggestions and how you might use the techniques together. Then we have birth stories, which I think are really special, and it's a whole activity book too. So you actually are are asked to write down your ideas and your thoughts on your upcoming labor and what you what you think you might like to have as a comfort technique during labor. You also have your birth deck of cards. So how does that kind of supplement the book? 
the work leg is a set of flashcards for labor. So it's 50 simple techniques that anyone can do to help comfort someone in labor. And a lot of the techniques can actually be used in preparation for a C-section or during a C-section as well. All of the mind techniques, some of the massage techniques and support techniques. Uh, the way that I broke the deck down is by those same categories. So movement, massage, mind, and support, just like the book. And the deck is, is a technique on the front side. So a lot of illustrations and on the back, it's just bullet points for how to execute the technique. It's just the simplest instructions. Whereas the book goes deeper into how these work, why they work, and what techniques are best to use together for effective support. So you could think of the book as being the course. So you would actually learn how to use the deck. And then the deck is the tool that you would take with you to labor. And the book actually helps you organize the deck. We have little hearts at the bottom that you can color in if you like the technique. And then your partner could go through. So if, the, if you're, you know, as the as the pregnant mom, and then your partner can go through and organize the deck according to which techniques you liked to help you in labor. You know, the reality is that you don't 100% know what you're going to want when you're in labor. So that's why I didn't just do a massage deck or just do a mindfulness deck. Instead, I wanted it to be something where people can just grab and try it. And if it doesn't work, chuck it. So a lot of doulas and midwives use this deck with their clients and actually buy them from us wholesale and then conclude them in every single doula package that they have because it's such a great tool for teaching. So yeah, those are the two. The book and the deck definitely are meant to go together. Let's not forget our quote of the day. Is there a quote that you live by? I really love the quote that you should never get too attached to your pleasure or too attached to your pain because they both come and go quickly. Oh, wow. And it's just, it's so spot on with what you do. And it's, <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. And, and it's so, I mean, parenting is like one big bipolar journey, you know? It's yeah. Like one minute, time. Like, oh my God, I want to like eat you. Like, I am so obsessed with you. I want to like eat your arm. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then 20 minutes later, you're like, you know, like flicking off yeah. your kid as they walk yeah. out the room. Yeah. <laughs> behind yeah. Backs being like, you are what is ruining my life. <laughs> you know? It's so true. It's so true. And, it, and it's all in a day. It doesn't, it's yeah. not even like it's happening over the course of a month. Um, yeah. It, it just roller coasters all day long. It's now time for mom hall when we share products we love. Is there a product or gadget that you're loving that you want to share with, you know, our audience? I have become really obsessed with The Ordinary products. So it's a company called The Ordinary. I love everything about them and they're super reasonably priced. And I'll tell you that something I hate is the idea that we're all in this like aspirational beauty phase where it's like you buy one face mask and it costs $120 and then you have to use like the tiniest little bit <laughs> and then it doesn't do anything for you because you only use it once a month because it's so freaking expensive. Right. And I love this product line because I've worked in wellness since in like sort of spa adjacent stuff since I was 15 and I'm very aware of the markup on all these products. They have the founder really, truly believe strongly in using high quality ingredients to each of the products and then and then expecting 
the clients, the customers to do research and to put together something. And they have this incredible customer service team that are all experts. You can contact them on email, phone, or at the stores. I swear to God, I like get no kickbacks from this company, but I okay. really should. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, I my <laughs> friends so actually honest. My, the people I love, the people I love in my life know that I will put together a whole regimen for them. And if they give me their credit cards, I'll even go and buy all of it on their credit <laughs> cards for them. So they don't even have to think about it. And then they can follow my instructions. But you can really put together an effective skincare regimen um, at any stage in your fertility journey. So if you're pregnant or trying to get pregnant or breastfeeding and you don't want to use certain chemicals, they've got stuff for you. And I just love it. So it's called The Ordinary. Treat yourself. Their products are literally between five and like $30, all of them. Yeah. So you can like actually get, it's so brilliant. Like it's in brilliant. bulk. Yeah. Yes. Because you can actually <laughs> like buy it, use it with the strength and the frequency that will be effective. And then you can buy more and replace it when it's done or try something else. And it's really, I mean, that's not what most products are like. So yeah. Oh, that's really, so great. So that's, that's my like recent obsession. I, I don't know if everyone already knows about it, but. And where can my listeners find you? Yes. So you guys can find me on Instagram at the birth deck and you can find me on the internet at www.thebirthdeck.com. And if you're interested in massage therapy in the Bay area or in Chicago, you can find us at glow, G L O W birth, like childbirth and body.com. So glow birth and body.com. Amazing. I'm so, so happy to have had you, Sarah, on the birthing series. And you helped me flesh this out from the onset. So thank you for that. And uh, sharing your experience and your knowledge. Um, I feel like we all have learned so much from just this one episode. And I'm sure my listeners are like, gotta get the book, gotta get the cards. She's amazing. <laughs> I really appreciate that. And you can come pump up my tires anytime you want to. I really love talking about this stuff. I think it's important. And I think it's really crucial that people who've had kids in the past understand that if you are planning or considering having another baby, that just because you had a difficult experience last time does not mean that you are condemned to that for every birth for the rest of forever. So you have options and there are tools out there. And I'm so happy that I got to talk to you guys today. A big thank you to Sarah for sharing her expertise on all things childbirth. Visit her website, thebirthdeck.com. She has really great products on there, not just the flashcards, but of course her book, You've Got This, and some Pilates balls that are really excellent for when you're doing exercises and really enhance the birthing experience. So check those out. And you can write to me at thatsotalmomsense at gmail.com and follow me on Insta at Kanika Chadda Gupta and at thatsotalmomsense. If you are loving this series, the birthing series, rate and review it. It really, really helps. Thanks for listening to me on all the various podcast players. I really, really appreciate it. And as always, trust your mom sense. Stay strong, super mamas. See you soon. Total mom sense.